Um, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 11. It says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That's what the Bible says, right? It says, For we are not ignorant of his devices. And like I've been explaining the last weeks, the, scriptures, the scripture here is telling us that Satan has got devices that he uses. Praise God. And the Bible says we are actually not ignorant about those devices. Now, one of the worst things you can actually uh, experience in this world is this thing called ignorance. That's, it's dangerous. Have you ever been in a room, for example, where everyone is laughing, but you don't know who is just in the dark? Don't know what they're laughing at. Yes. So I think they're laughing at you. You know what I mean, right? Yes. Yeah. Or they just you just walk in a room and people are just, you know, looking all weird and whatnot. That moment you're ignorant. <laughs> so you don't you suspect everyone. What did they say? <laughs> if your best friend is there, what did you tell them about me? <laughs> you understand that, right? So when the Bible says we're not ignorant, it means we're not unaware of his devices. We are people that, are, that know the devices of Satan. We are people that know you should be able to identify the devices of the enemy. If you're not able to identify the devices of the enemy, you will, you will suffer things that... You can open the windows now, by the way, for fresh air. Yeah. We, if you don't know the devices of the enemy, you, you, will be, you, you won't be able to... There are certain things you will experience that you should never experience. I don't know if you understand. Just like, if let's say you are preparing to... Uh, if you've played football before here, if you're going to play football somewhere, and you know that... Uh, the opponents you're playing, you're playing against, they've got one guy who is just tough. There's a way you will prepare to ensure that that guy doesn't succeed, eh? Even those who never played fo football are saying this. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. There are certain people who you would rather have on your team than them being on the opposition side. <laughs> you understand that, right? Even in class, there were just certain people you wanted in your group study. Or if you know, they'll just take a quiz, group A versus group B. <laughs> there are certain people you'd, you would rather have on your team because you know what they can do. You understand that, right? Yes. Yeah. You know that it's an advantage to have certain people on your team. And you know that it's a disadvantage when certain people are not in your team. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Amen. And God gives us knowledge for our advantage. I don't know if you heard that. God gives us knowledge for our advantage. God reveals certain things for our advantage. That's, what, that's why God reveals certain things to us. He reveals certain things for our advantage. That is why I usually tell people to say, it is not every bad dream that is from the enemy. When you wake up from certain nightmares, sometimes it's not, don't wake up and just think, ah, Satan came to visit us. We'll deal with him. 
What if it is God trying to show you something that you should deal with? I don't know if you get what I mean, right? So it means there are certain times when, uh, when God can actually reveal something to you through a vision, dream, or whatever, um, whatever way that God may reveal to you. God can reveal certain things to you, and then it is your responsibility for you to act out your way out, because he will give you a solution out. All right? But anyway, today we're looking at, uh, let me show you maybe, let me show you something about the character of this person called the enemy that we're dealing with. And then I'll, sh I'll show you the third um, device that Satan uses to get to people. So the character of this person is found in John 10 verse 10. I think everyone knows this scripture. John 10 verse 10. John chapter number 10 verse 10. We know this scripture, right? Yeah, I won't ask us to say it out loud. <laughs> you just hear someone says, For God so loved the world. <laughs> John chapter number 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Have you seen that? It says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. And then he says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So Jesus actually is telling us, the thief comes for this purpose, but for me actually came that you may have life and have it in abundance. So when the Bible there is revealing the nature of this person called the enemy, it says he comes to do three things. Number one, to steal, right? To kill and to destroy. There was a time, it's a funny story, but there was a time that I won't tell all of it. I was counseling someone some time back and they were wondering why they were going through certain things. And you know how sometimes people feel as though I'm a nice person, I don't deserve to go through this. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So there was a time I was counseling someone and then I told them something that I think they were surprised. I said, you see, the enemy doesn't care whether you're a sweet person. He doesn't care how gentle, how lovely you are. He doesn't care whether you think you're pretty. <laughs> I don't know if you understand. He doesn't care whether you, you are the most built guy out there or every guy wants to be like you. <laughs> you inspire all of us. <laughs> I don't know if you understand. Like, he doesn't even care whether someone is a child. So, it needs to sink in your head. The fact that, you see, don't, don't have a mindset of, oh, me, I've done nothing to you, Satan. <laughs> Just leave me alone. I've done nothing to you. It was between you and Jesus. <laughs> don't involve me in your fights. <laughs> You see, that's, that's the attitude a lot of people actually have, whether they know it or not. That's why sometimes people get shocked when Satan visits them and they just does them like a damage. <laughs> I don't deserve to go through this. I'm a nice person. Pastor, I'm, if you meet me, <laughs> I'm such a nice person. Like, it's, it's crazy. Mm. Okay? 
But then you're dealing with someone who's the, the target is simply to do things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So it doesn't matter your personality type, whether you think you're, whether you're an introvert. <laughs> I don't even hang out with people. I'm just alone. You know what I mean, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter exactly. So you're dealing, I'm showing you the nature of someone here. So you have to understand that this is the kind of person you're dealing with. He didn't like you before you were born. When you were born, he didn't like you still. Whether you looked adorable in your parents' eyes, he didn't like you. <laughs> you get it? Let me show you another, another scripture. In the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. We should know this scripture. It says, be sober, be vigilant. It says, because your adversary, say, say your adversary. adversary. It doesn't say God's adversary. It says you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I tell you this is your phone, it's personal. <laughs> you understand that, right? says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he is seeking whom he may actually just get a hold of. So when we talk about these devices of the enemy, that's 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8. When we talk about these devices of the enemy, he is seeking on whom we can actually impose these things on. And you must be alert. That's what the Bible is saying. That you must be vigilant. You must be sober. You understand that, right? It means you must be in your right state. You must realize that the person you are dealing with is not just any other person. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. I was explaining to someone some time back, and I was, saying, I was telling them to say, hmm. there are certain people whom, I don't know if I've even explained it in church as well, there are certain people who Satan does not mind them dying and then they go to heaven. What he minds is simply them living and making impact for God on earth. And there are other people that he just, he doesn't mind them being alive. I won't talk about those. <laughs> he doesn't mind. This one can live. <laughs> you get it, right? Yeah. So now, the third device that we'll look at today that Satan uses, because I've shown you the nature of how he is, right? Yes, he's, he's, he's like a lion. Bible doesn't even say like he's a lion. He's like. That means he pretends to be one. He's, he's looking for whom we may devour. You know how a lion looks for prey, right? Yes, yeah. Very cunning, you know, and just swift when doing certain things. So now, when we, the, the third device that we'll look at today is, is words. It's very, very important. Very, very important. Now, when we talk about words being something that Satan uses to take advantage of people to get in, because the Bible is in, 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 in the book of Corinthians shows us that he actually takes advantage of people, right? Yes. When we look at words, Satan uses words to actually get to people. Are we together? Yes, God also uses words to get to people. Jesus said something very 
um, very striking in John chapter number 6, verse 63. John chapter number 6, verse 63. Can you turn there, please? John chapter number 3, verse 63. John 6, rather, sorry. John 6, verse 63. John chapter number 6, verse 63. Are we there? John chapter number 6, verse 63. The Bible says, It is the Spirit, meaning talking about the Holy Spirit, says, It is the Spirit who gives life. Says, The, the flesh profits nothing. Says, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Says, The words that I speak to you. Remember, Jesus here is saying, I say, Look, the words that I speak to you, I don't just speak words. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, he's introducing something to the disciples here. He's telling them, say, Look, the words that you speak are not actually just mere words. They are spirits. I don't know if you understand. It means words go beyond just how you, uh, how you pronounce them or how you hear them. That is why, for example, when we talk about the name of Jesus, whether you pronounce it in French or in Portuguese, it works the same way. <laughs> you understand that, right? Whether, you pronounce, whether it comes from a person who is illiterate or someone who is very literate, as it, it works the same way. I don't know if you understand. So when we talk about words, Jesus is saying, look, the words that I speak to you, they are, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, when I'm speaking, life is coming out of my mouth. So now, if Jesus could speak words that are spirit and they are life, in other words, another person can speak words that are death. I don't know if you understand. Are you following? So it's the words I speak to you. That is why when you understand that words are very spiritual, you will stop saying anything anyhow. Because the Bible actually shows us that, that, that we will account for every idle word that we will speak. That's what the Bible shows us, right? You've seen that scripture. I will not get into it. Yes, people here get scared. But understand that words are spiritual. What you say is spiritual. It's more spiritual than you think. No, that's joking. That's how they say it, right? The last word I speak is actually some, another word in another language. But. Lord. I do speak Nyanja very well, by the way. Bemba, Lord. So, to, to show us that words are more spiritual than we think, let's, let's look at Genesis chapter number one. Let me show you what, what, what happened in Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one, verse one. Genesis chapter number one, verse one. Genesis one, verse one. We all know this scripture. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, the earth was without form and void, right? It says, and darkness was on the face of the deep. In other words, there was total darkness on the earth. There was nothing that existed. There was just darkness on the earth. So the Bible is telling us here. It says, the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. And then verse 3 says, then God said, then God said, let there be light and there was light. Imagine, there was darkness all over and God spoke and the situation changed. In other words, when God wanted to create, he didn't sit down and get uh, amatus. He just spoke words and everything came into existence. Now imagine if God could create through words. What, what, what more are our words if we are created in his image? Yes. 
It means because we are created in the image of God. That's according to Genesis itself, chapter number 1, verse 26. Because we are created in the image of God, it means we are, we are called to function like God himself. It means that if God, if, if, the, words, if the, words God could, the words God spoke would create, it means our words actually create. I don't know if you understand. Yeah, so it means when you have this understanding, that you, you, won't, you won't talk anyhow. You won't talk anyhow, even over how you feel. Praise God. Yeah. So it means you, you, decide, you must choose your words very carefully. Tell your neighbor, say, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. Yes. So just like Jesus says, the words that I speak are spirit in their life, right? Yeah. Confident about it. He knew he wasn't speaking idle words. And you must, you must come to that place as well where you know that you are not speaking idle words. Where you know that the words that you speak are not ordinary words. Hallelujah. In the book of Mark. In the book of Mark. Mark chapter number... 11. Mark chapter number 11, verse 23. Mark chapter number 11, verse 23. Mark 11, verse 23. Are we there? Mark 11, verse 23. The Bible says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, say whoever says to this mountain, in other words, he's telling us to speak to mountains, right? He says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now, maybe let me pause there for a second. Now, when we, when, we look, when we read the Bible, and I've explained this before, but I'll explain it once again. When we read the Bible like this, we must understand something. I know there are certain revelations that get to teach you that, for example, that mountains are symbolic of problems, right? And you've heard such things before, right? Jesus wasn't talking, wasn't talking about problems. He was talking about a literal mountain. Sometimes understand. See, as much as we get beautiful revelations from these things, no, this means that. Jesus walked on water. It means that Jesus actually walked on water. It wasn't symbolic of anything. <laughs> now, I'm not saying the revelation that people, other people get is wrong. I'm not, I'm not disputing with that. But sometimes, don't water down what Jesus did and just speak a revelation. Because sometimes people, you, 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 you experience a situation where, for example, you may find yourself in a similar situation, but instead of working out what Jesus, what Jesus would have done, for you, you, you simply took it as a revelation and you're failing to walk in what the word of God says. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. There was a woman with an issue of blood in the Bible, right? Whatever, situ whatever interpretation people have of it, the fact is there was a woman with an issue of blood. She touched the helm of Jesus' garment and the flow ceased, right? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. So it means if ever there's a situation where you, where, where you find yourself in, a similar, in, a, in similar circumstances or someone that you know in similar circumstances, you simply act on what Jesus did, right? It says your faith has made you whole. But if for you, it's just symbolic of, no, the flow symbolizes this. The touch symbolizes this. You'll be robbing yourself of walking into everything God actually wants you to walk in. Sometimes you have to take the word of God very literal. You understand that, right? Yes, Very literal. If Jesus raised the dead, he raised the dead. It's not symbolic of dead situations. It's not symbolic of dead shani, dead career, dead what? No, he raised the dead. Someone was physically dead, you know, and then he brought them back to life. 
You understand? Yeah. So whatever revelation you might be getting from it, we bless God for that. But don't walk away from the fact that these things actually happened. So, in, in Mark, it says, when Mark chapter number 11, verse 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, okay? Be removed and be cast into the sea. And then it says, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says. Okay, he says, he says will be done. He says, he will have whatever he what? Yeah, read, read in your Bible. He says, he will have whatever he what? He says, he, what, as long as you, he says, let me read it again. He says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He says, he goes on and say, you have whatever what? He says, still have the, the things. So it means here, he's showing, Jesus teaching us a principle here about having the things you actually say. It's a principle that Jesus is teaching us here. You understand? He says he will have whatever he says. So the same way God created using words. When you are speaking, the Bible says you will have whatever you say. Now, there was something that the Lord taught me some years back. Let me share it here. There are people whom sometimes you can be in a meeting like this, right? And I can lead you to a prayer. We make certain uh, prayers together, all right? We declare. You can declare over your health, over your finances, over your academics, over your family, over whatever it is that concerns you, right? You make a prayer over yourself. And beautiful, you know, you declare what the Word of God says. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And all, this, all these beautiful things that, that, that the Word of God says. You say it over yourself. But sometimes, do you know what nullifies even the confessions you make? It's simple. Sometimes a lot of people, their confession in prayer is not consistent with their confession when they're having conversations. You can't, <laughs> you can't have hot water and cold water from the same fountain at the same time. Pick a side. You understand? You can't come from a prayer meeting and declare, Oh, I've gotten the job in the name of Jesus. I have this. I have passed exam in the name of Jesus. And then right after, you reach your boarding house. This is Kakapret Zapas. <laughs> what happened to what you are praying? <laughs> the inconsistency between what, what you pray and, and the things you say, even when someone is talk to, talking to you, there, there, must be, there must be a consistency. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. You're coming from a meeting. You are praying that God should heal you. You go home, you feel a slight headache. Ah, us will just die with this. I think you just kill us. <laughs> and sometimes it's, it's, it's amusing. Having lived with believers sometimes, you just hear someone say something, you just like, mm, okay. <laughs> no. So there must be a consistency between the things you say in prayer. The things you say when you are in church or in any spiritual meeting and the things you say when you are talking to a friend or when you are talking to a Don't say no. Nah, don't, don't worry. Pastor, I haven't forgotten what you are confessing. This is how we joke, me and my friend. You have whatever you... Then say what... No, no exception that when you are joking. <laughs> That's an exception. There are no exceptions. Eh? Imagine if God joked about let, let, let there be light. <laughs> No, 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 I was just joking, like, I was just joking. 
that's how that's how we, that's how we talk. No, you are confessing things that are not actually scriptural. You are saying things that are not of the word of God. You are saying things that are against that, that are contrary to the nature of God. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Let's go on. Let's see what we should end from. James. James chapter number three. The book of James chapter number three. James chapter number three, verse four. James chapter number three, verse four. James chapter number three, verse four. Are we there? I want all of us to be there. Are we there? So James chapter number three, verse four. The Bible says, look also at sheep. You know what a sheep is, right? Yeah. There are very few of those in Zambia. We need many. Praise God. <laughs> says, look also at sheep. Says, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small, uh, very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. In other words, the ship is very big, but then it goes in the direction where the, where the pilot determines, right? And what does the pilot use? Just a small rudder. And here the Bible, is, the Bible is there talking about the tongue. That's what the Bible is teaching. So it's, it's simply telling us, look, your life will go in the direction of your words. Meaning, wherever you are right now is a result of what you are speaking. Whether you think otherwise or not. <laughs> no, whether, whether you think otherwise or not. Let's read also. Go on, verse 5. It says, Even so, uh, in verse 5, right? Even so, the tongue is a little is a little member, but boasts uh, boss great things. In other words, it's a very tiny member. It's a very, it's a very small thing. So if, if Satan understands this principle, in other words, if, if he understands this principle very well, so he knows, oh, if I want to have this person's life, I can get them to confess worry. I can get them to confess fear. I can get them to confess lack. I can get them to confess failure. I can get them to confess all these things. And the Bible shows us there that the ship goes in the direction. Praise God. To go in that direction. It means even your life will go in the, in the direction of what you say. What comes out of your mouth? What is that coming out from your mouth? And like I said, there must be a consistency. There must be. There must be. Today, you can't be declaring the word of God. Tomorrow, you're declaring every other thing that you've read from your philosophy books. Tell your neighbor, pick a side. <laughs> look at both. If you're in the middle, just look at both of them. Pick a side. <laughs> they must choose what they say. Praise God. No, Pastor, it's just a song. <laughs> We're just enjoying ourselves. Oh, you'll be amazed. <laughs> you'll be amazed. 
You won't be saying say anything just because they are trending. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> No, it's just a status pastor. <laughs> this is what the Bible there is saying. Let's read John James again. So that you understand. Mm-hmm. It says, look also at ships. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Look also at ships. Although they are, they are so large, although they are big. A ship is so big, so that if, even if all the guys here were told, let's push it. All of us put together here as, 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 as the men here. Let's push this ship, guys. We'll just have to, oh, guys, we'll never tell this to anyone, right? <laughs> Whatever happened here ends here. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So he says, that's all that, and driven by fierce winds. In other words, the winds are so, the winds are so fierce that, that drive it, right? Yeah, so fierce. But then what contrast says they are they attend by says uh, they attend by a very small rudder wherever the, the, the pilot desires. Small, so big, yet driven by a small thing. So big, yet driven by a small thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when something has 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 has, has, has been has, has died, let's say in your in, in, in an appliance at home, and then they get to you what the thing that are dead, it looks so small. Are you telling me this can stop a whole fridge from working? This can stop a whole stove from working? My car stopped because of this small thing. <laughs> it's small, but it's, it's big. Praise God. So the tongue may look small. Your head might be bigger. <laughs> the hands might be bigger. Don't laugh. <laughs> no one has a... Has a <laughs> everyone's head is bigger than their tongue. No matter how small how big your head is, right? Yeah. <laughs> so every you see, any part of your body might be bigger. But then if you even if your tongue is the smallest, the Bible there is showing us, look, your life will go in the direction of your tongue. Praise God. Yeah. And can I tell you something? God doesn't do the things you want. God does the things you say. No, I want it. I want it, but your confessions are going this side. You see, the Bible has given, it's showing us a very, this is a scriptural thing. It says you have whatever you say. So you want one thing, you're saying another thing. What will you have? What you say. No, but I never wanted this. You said it. You said it. I don't know if we ever graduate if we, with all these things. <laughs> Interesting. And then he goes on to say, verse 6. Uh, sorry, let's read verse 5 again. It says, James chapter number 3, verse 5 says, Even so, a tongue is a small member, is a, is a, is a little member rather, and, and boasts great things. It says, See how great a forest is 
how, how great a, a forest, a little fire kindles. In other words, a little fire can kindle a whole forest. That's what the Bible is showing us here, right? A little fire. In other words, you can't say, no, this, this fire is too small to burn this, this house down. So, let's just leave it. It's too small to burn this whole forest. Ah, it's too small of a fire. So there are a lot of people who don't realize that how great... It's why, listen, the, this enemy uses this device called words because he understands exactly. Say, look, so there, there are a lot of people whom, for them to get... Maybe let me... There was... How many know a man called Kenneth Hagen? Raise your hand if you've heard of him. Okay. Yeah, I expect very few people to know him. In one of his books, he wrote, uh, he wrote a story of someone who <laughs> he had an encounter with God. And he wrote a story about how there was someone who was <laughs> they were bedridden in a certain way. Alright? Bedridden in a certain way. And they thought they would die. And in that state they had a visitation from the Lord. Kenneth Hardin died a long time ago. And that was 2003, 2004? Somewhere there. But he was mostly famous in the 80s and the 90s. He heard, he, he shared this story, say, look, the person was about, to, was sort of like in a bad state and they were about to die. And then they, they encountered the Lord Jesus a, a certain way. And in that encounter with God, they were asking God, say, God, why don't you take me? In this moment. Now, what the Lord told that dear saint is something that even Ken Hajin was shocked. But it's biblical. He said, You've spoken life too much for death to get to you. In other words, at the rate of which you've spoken life, you can't go now. It's not possible. There are certain people like that in the Bible. I just don't want to go into it. I've shown you before, right? About certain people like that in the Bible. It's very biblical. But we'll not get into it. It's telling us the power of words. It means there are certain people who actually can even go before their time simply because of what they say. Praise God. Yeah. Let's go on and read more scriptures. Hmm. Another scripture we all know. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. Let me not say we all know. to our papa. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. Are we there? Proverbs 18, verse 21. The Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the what? Read that. It says, Death and life are in the power of the what? Death and life are in the power of the what? I don't know if you understand that. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's what the Bible says, right? It says, And those who love it will eat its fruit. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, Death and life are not in the power of. Let me not say certain things. 
before you contract, before you destroy someone's doctrine, <laughs> how they were raised, it is well. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, this tongue you have can, can decide whether someone lives or someone dies. Says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Remember, Jesus said something. Said, he says, the words I speak, they are their spirit and they are what? They are spirit and they are what? Jesus understood this principle very well. So the words he spoke were life. How can how how is it possible that you are speaking death even over your own body organs? How is it possible? Have you not understood what the scriptures have said? Have you not seen what the Bible has said? It says death and life. So in other words, if death was to enter the life of anybody, hear me. If death was to enter the life of anyone, it will first enter it through your tongue first. That's what the Bible is saying us there. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, God gave the ability for someone to live or die using words. Some say this may contradict someone's doctrine. Since death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, if do you know why the Bible chose to use death and life there? Because they are the greatest things here on earth. In other words, anything lesser falls under. I don't know if you understand. Anything lesser falls under. So if Satan wants to get to you, what don't you think it will make you confess death? Now, there are a lot of people who, when you talk about death, it's not limited or restricted to simply someone being in a coffin and being buried and whatnot. Like I've explained this before, death simply means separation. That's what death means. It's just separation. That's why even in the Bible, they are telling us that there, there, will be, there, there, will, there will be a second death, right? Right? We've seen that in the Bible, right? Yeah. There's a death people experience while on earth, and there'll be another one afterwards. So the Bible shows us. Now, for the second one, <laughs> I say everybody must be born again. You don't want to experience it. You don't want to experience it. So it's death and life and the power of the tongue. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, you must choose exactly what you want. You must choose. Do you want life? You must speak life. You must speak life. What exactly, what exactly are you looking for? What exactly do you want from God? So there are a lot of people who pray certain prayers but say other things afterwards. Right after praying, they say other things. Right after asking God for something, they confess otherwise after. Right after declaring the word of God, uh, uh, after declaring the word of God in a particular session, they say something else right after. But there must be a consistency between what you say in such places and where, what you say when you're out there. Hallelujah. The Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord. Yeah. Very important. It doesn't matter whether you say. And the funny thing is this. I've told you before. I told you earlier rather. To say the enemy doesn't care whether you're a nice person. Whether you're a sweet person. He doesn't care. The Bible tells us that he comes to steal, kill and destroy, right? Yeah. Three things. Kill, steal, destroy. Three things, that's all. And as long as he does it, he's good. He's done his job. That's all. So it means if he's going to succeed, you listen, 
And I've told you this before. Satan will never do anything in your life without your permission. He will never do anything in your life without your permission. There is no way the enemy can, go, can get, get in your life until you permit him. And the Bible talks about walking in agreement in Amos chapter number 3 verse 3. There has to be an agreement between you and whoever you're walking. Two people cannot walk together unless they agree. There has to be an agreement. Even for you to walk with God, you have to agree with him. God will never impose himself on you. No, I'm the one who created you. Come here. I don't want no, but I created you. Just come. <laughs> No, the, he will never force himself on anyone. There has to be a choice. There has to be a choice. It's a, it's a principle that God has put in place. You choose where to go. You choose how you go. You choose the direction of your life. Praise God. If a ship can be decided, if the direction of a ship can be determined but just by a small rudder, what more your life? What more your life? Your whole life. Think about it. Your whole life. There are certain people who walk in this life and blame God for everything. No, the reason I don't have this is because God is. Because God is working on me. Because God is not, God is dealing with, he's not yet done with me. Sometimes when I hear that, I just smile like it's when, it's when I don't understand the scriptures. Didn't he say it was finished? Hmm. Unless with your life. <laughs> no, because he isn't done with me. What do you mean he isn't done? He said it was finished. Meaning even with your life, it was done. <laughs> no, God is still working on me. How? How is he doing it? He told you? <laughs> you must speak correctly. Utter words that are correctly. Listen, this is... This is such a, a spiritual principle that even, even carnal men, people who are not even born again, have realized it. They have. If you listen to motivational speakers, they will tell you about speaking positively, right? Yeah. They will tell you about speaking positively. Those are biblical principles. They know. And the, and the beauty is this. These things work for everyone. <laughs> Lord, but this one is not even born again. This one is not, this one doesn't even love you. Me, Lord, me, I love you. <laughs> this one doesn't live for you. Me, I live for you. These things work for, they're general principles that work for everybody. Your direction, your, your life goes in the direction of your words. That means you must learn to speak over that job. You must learn to speak over, over, over that, that school. You must learn to speak over, over those little ones at home. You must learn to speak even over this nation. Don't say, ah, Zambia is just a comedy sunshine. Like, you know how people say, Zambia is just this. Zamb Why are you saying certain things about your nation? The same nation that's supposed to produce wealth for you. No, Zambia is a joke. Zambians, we are jokers. No, if you, if you want to be jokes, jokers with your friends, just go and joke. That's, you know, that's, Go and just be jokers wherever you want to go. But just don't, don't speak certain words. You see, this land can reject you. It can. And there are certain people who are rejected by certain land. Yeah. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 29, it tells, us, it tells us about a man called Isaac. In a famine, Isaac planted and he reaped a hundredfold. In a famine. In other words, there was drought. Drought. It wasn't raining. There was nothing. Imagine someone, there was no rain, no nothing. Someone plants and the things are growing. 
The other people sitting are not growing. For him, the things are growing. There was a difference between the two. They all lived in two different worlds. The same way even with the children of Israel. On one end, there was a pillar of fire protecting them. On the other end, there was nothing. Think about it. The children of Israel had, had, had what? Had manna from heaven, right? Even quails. What if there was a neighboring nation? Did they have quails? No. <laughs> it was just restricted to one area. And, and that's how it works sometimes. That's why you must speak words over, even over your profession, you must speak the right words. Even if we're studying, there are no jobs. You've been talking with your friends. Ah, there are no jobs in this country. No jobs. This country, ah, there are no jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll be unemployed in this country. And when you listen, listen, the testimony of your neighbor is not yours. Don't. <laughs> It's, it's not yours. The testimony of your neighbor is not yours. Even Jesus, there was a storm. One person was sleeping on a pillow, another person, other people were crying. Two different realities in the same situation. One was at peace, sleeping in a storm. They were not even in a ship, they were in a boat. <laughs> Water was going inside. The man just slept. Like nothing can happen to me. <laughs> you understand? You must speak correctly. Speak correctly. Words are so powerful. So powerful. If God created the whole world using words, you can create your words as well using words. Yes, you can. Let's go ahead and read some more scriptures. In Deuteronomy, chapter number 30, Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter number 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. The Bible says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Must be serious. Heaven and earth has witnesses against you. <laughs> Not for you, against you. To testify. The whole earth testifying against you, imagine. Hmm? We have a testimony against this one. <laughs> says, I call heaven, um, on verse 19, right? Yeah. I call heaven and, and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death. This is God talking, right? It says, I have set before you life and death. It's before you. In other words, it's a choice. I have set before you life and death. So the Bible is saying here. Life and it says, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. <laughs> that both you and your descendants may live. It says, look, I have actually set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. By saying you choose life. How do you choose life? By what you say. So before you right now, there's a blessing and there's a curse. It's very simple. And, 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 and let me tell you this. A believer, someone who is in Christ Jesus, can't be cursed. But they can walk in it if they allow it. They can. Mm -hmm. 
The same way, for example, it's not possible for a believer to be demon-possessed. It's not possible. But they can be oppressed. Those are two different things. And so sometimes you find, you, you find, you find us casting out devils from someone who is a believer, tongue-speaking, and they're on the floor, demons so manifesting. And you just wonder, oh, I thought uh, we were a woman of God. <laughs> Such a man of God, you know. You when you pray, we hear you from afar. It's possible. There are certain believers who are walking in certain in certain cases, not because Jesus didn't deliver them out of it, but because of ignorance. Because of ignorance. And if you're ignorant, things that should not work against you, they will, they will work. They will work. It says choose life. Tell your neighbor, choose life. Look at them, they choose life. <laughs> yeah. You have to choose life. In other words, you choose by how you, what you say. So your choice of words tells us whether you've chosen life or death. <laughs> your choice of words shows us whether you've chosen life or death. You can't talk anyhow. From today, you're not allowed. Yes, sir. How are we together? Yes, you're not allowed to talk anyhow. Me, I speak my mind. I don't care what you think about me. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you my mind. and I will... <laughs> Ma, sir. <laughs> I showed you how fear works, right? Fear has a language. Fear has a language. It goes beyond just a feeling. You have to speak words of fear, and people actually end up speaking words of fear. You understand? Yeah, people actually end up speaking words of fear, and that's how sometimes they end up in certain situations in life. And that's how Job landed himself in certain problems. <laughs> choose life. That's what the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy. It says, choose life. You must choose life. It's, in other words, to walk. To, to, to be a person who is full of life is a decision. No, I can't control how I feel. I can't control the things that choose life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, you must choose life. You must speak correctly. You must utter words correctly. Every day joking about how broke you are. No, think, think about it. Sometimes, sometimes you wonder. I, 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 I hear believers. It, it's amazing sometimes. Every day. Memes about how you even, like, you even relate with them. Like, you know, how broke you are. How you won't have certain things. You know, how, like. And I was, I was telling people to say, ah, even, sometimes even the things that they experienced in January. <laughs> There are certain people who in the same month others are complaining that they are broke, have the most money. Yeah. You think everyone in Zambia is suffering. <laughs> yeah, I was there's a friend of mine who cracked the joke, says that you can you can think uh 
as you can think, some of these things are hard everywhere. I can't see us at your place. <laughs> I'm not saying just at your place. Maybe your neighbor can relate to it. <laughs> yeah, you can think maybe, ah, you can think everyone is, um, can't see us at your place. It's just at home. Right? <laughs> so speak words of life. Praise God. Don't speak words of fear. Don't speak words of lack. Don't speak words of failure. Don't speak words of, of don't, don't speak sickness. Don't speak disease. Don't, don't say words that, that, that are against what Jesus has done. Praise God. Don't say things that, 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 that contradict the works of the Lord Jesus for, for on you. You must say the right words over yourself. You must say the right words over your mind. You must say the right words over the work you do. You must say the right words over your academics. You must say the right words over your family. You must say the right words all the time. Not just sometimes. No, God will understand. I was just upset. I was just having a moment. Even in those moments, speak the word of God. How is that in those moments, the word of God has just left your mouth? <laughs> Let's go on and read two more scriptures, then we'll be done. Colossians chapter number 4, verse 6. 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 Colossians 4, verse 6. The Bible says, Let your speech, in other words, your words, let your speech always be with grace. Always. 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 I'll teach you properly on grace. But the Bible here is saying, Let your speech always be with grace. In other words, even when you snap, Even when you lose it, as you put it, I lost it. That's why I said those things. She annoys me all the time. The Bible says, let your speech always be with grace. Praise God. It says, let your speech always be with what? Grace. And it says, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. <laughs> says that you may know how you always have to answer each one, right? Yes. So your speech must always be seasoned with grace. Are your words full of grace? Are your words full of grace? Every time you speak, is it full of grace? Are you releasing grace to the hearers? Are the people who are hearing you, are they, are they, are they able to receive certain things from you? I'll tell you this. There are, there are certain people that I've never had to lay hands on for them to receive certain gifts of the Spirit. So just having a conversation. Just talking to someone. You're talking and someone is receiving an impartation of the Spirit. It's possible. It's possible. There are certain people whom I've never, like... <laughs> anyway... You can, you can release words of grace all the time. 
You know what it means to release words of grace? It means words that are full of power. It means words that can create. It means words that bring forth the colors of God. It means words that bring forth the beauty of God. It means words that, that reveal Jesus to your world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Your, your words must be full of grace. All the time. It says always, right? All the time. All the time. Your words must be full of grace. So before you say certain things, ask yourself, is it full of grace? Is this full of grace? Oh, before I answer this, brethren. This, this brother is just getting on my nerves. You know, there are certain believers whom I saw this on, 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 um, on one social media platform some, some time back. And something happened to them. And then they said something like, ah. It's like, you guys just test me. One day I'll deal with you, we'll put Christianity aside. <laughs> hmm. I was like, it's your sister. <laughs> You will put Christianity aside. <laughs> That's another way of saying, look, let's just be carnal here. Let's, let's allow Satan to prevail here, sir. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Your words must be full of grace. They must be. All the time. Let's read one last scripture. And then I'll, we'll make a, some declarations together. <clears throat> this one will help someone here. I know. The, one, the, the scripture I'm about to read, it will help someone very much. There's someone who needs it. Cut your neighbor, ask them, the one who needs it, before I even read it. <laughs> yeah. They might be the one who needs it. <laughs> Proverbs chapter number 15, verse 1. Proverbs chapter number 15, verse 1. What does the Bible say? A soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> but a harsh word tears up anger. <laughs> the Bible is teaching you how to respond to people there. It says a soft answer does what? A soft answer does what? But a harsh answer steers up anger. Right? Yeah. But maybe, let's, maybe let's not read that one as the last one. In the Bible, in Genesis rather, we, get, we, are, we are shown that God created two trees, right? Right? Yes. Are following, right? Yes. We remember that, right? Yes. If you've been to Sunday school, at least you remember. God created two trees, right? What was the first one? This is not a quiz at school. <laughs> In whatever order. That's it. Which, which one? <laughs> I want to hear you. Number one? So, tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? 
What is the second one? What is the second one? Okay. Now, what happened in the Bible when Adam sinned? The Bible shows us that God prohibited, or rather, put protection from the tree of life, right? That Adam should not get to it, right? And now, the answer, or the, the explanation to that is very simple. And the Bible actually shows us. The reason why God, Adam had sinned, Adam had fallen, okay? God wanted Adam to live at a certain level of glory and a certain level of fellowship. Adam fell from that place of fellowship and from the glory that God, has, God had created him for. All right? Spiritually, Adam had died. Okay? The function of the tree of life was simply that. The person who eats of the tree of life would eat forever, would, would live forever, rather. So God decided to put protection on the tree of life because had Adam, after sinning, gone straight to the tree of life, he would have lived forever like that, in that state. Are you following? It means Jesus would have never come. That means that would have been the end for mankind. Mankind was going to be in sin forever. No hope to ever be in fellowship with God. That's in the Bible. I just don't want us to read all these things. So the book of Genesis shows us. <laughs> right? Yeah. So God put protection on the tree of life, right? So in other words, whoever ate from the tree of life lived forever. In other words, they received life in, in, in their body, right? Right? They received life in their system. What that meant was this. If someone ever fell sick and they took the tree of life, a fruit from the tree of life, that sickness would go instantly. Do you understand that? Like I said, just read Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and Genesis 4. You will, all these things I'm saying are there. I'm not preaching Greek here. Okay? Yeah. So, that tree of life, what do you think happened to it? Where is it now? Where is it now? What, what would guess? <laughs> Should I ask the deacons <laughs> to represent the whole church in giving us answers? That's how Monica win. <laughs> what happened to the tree of life? Oh God. <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> but let's read something. In, in, in the same Genesis, sorry, Proverbs chapter number 15, don't turn. Just go to verse 3. And read, read verse 4 rather, out loud. Genesis chapter number 15, verse 4, what does it say? Chesungu, read it that way, read. Yeah, 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 yeah. The teacher of English, Marina, must be upset wherever he or she is. 
Read. What do I say? He says a wholesome tongue is actually a tree of life. It doesn't say it's the tree of life. It says it's a tree of life. In other words, a wholesome tongue plays the same function the tree of life in the garden had. Are you following? The same function the tree of life had in the garden. That's the same function how a wholesome tongue plays today. In other words, it means if someone wants to get life, they can, are they able to get it from your tongue? If your neighbor ever needed life to be spoken into their body, are they able to receive it from your mouth? So the whole sometimes like a tree of life. It's a tree of life. In other words, whoever comes must be able to get life from your mouth. Because the fruits of that mouth are actually your words. Are you following? So in other words, so words are actually fruits. They are actually fruits. So people can actually feed. For example, right now, you're learning, you're growing. What are we using to feed to grow? Words. So you can actually, the same way people could feed, Adam could feed, if you wanted to, from the tree of life. The same way right now you're being fed the word of God. It comes through words. So the whole tongue is the tree of life. It's a tree of life. That's why at this point you should be you should be confident enough to, to talk like Jesus say, look, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. You must be that confident because you know that your tongue is the tree of life. You know that your tongue is just not any, is just not an ordinary organ in your body, it's actually a tree of life. When you speak, the tree of life has released words. Are you following? And when we talk about unmasking the enemy here, the enemy will want to use words to actually speak. That is why there are certain people whose confidence has gone down in life simply because of what someone has taught them. There are certain people, even, even their academics have gone down, have gone down because, because someone, someone says certain words to them that, that could have affected, affected their mind a certain way. It shows that words are, more, words are more spiritual than you think. Words actually spirits. So they go beyond just how they sound. They may end just on your ears. They may just end there for you, to you. But they go beyond that. That is why when you, listen, when you sit down and listen to the word of God, something happens in your spirit. You may not realize it. You may not realize the day you grew in the faith. You may not realize when your spirit man was built up by that word. But when you heard those words, something happened inside. You received something from a tree of life. You ate something from a tree of life and there is nothing that can come to you and kill you anymore. Absolutely nothing. When you understand that and you, you, you'll be releasing words of life all the time, you will speak words of life over everything and anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. That's what the Bible says. It's a tree of life. What does that tree of life in you produce? No, what does it produce? If all you do is just say kind of things, kind of things, kind of, kind of things, kind of things, 
Your friends are celebrating Valentine's with us. Kano kano things. Tell your neighbor, speak correctly. Tell them like you mean it, like you're telling them off. Say, speak correctly. <laughs> Point at them even. Say, you speak correctly. <laughs> yes. If a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, and the Bible tells us to choose life, in other words, it, it's the choices are not too much, but then the results are too much. <laughs> you choose one thing, yet the results are endless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So if you experience something in your body, just lay hands on yourself. Put your hand where the, where the pain is. Declare life there. Praise God. Yeah. You experience something with your mind. Put your hand on your mind and declare. See, you must learn to lay hands on yourself. Don't just wait for pastor to lay his hands on you. Learn to lay hands on yourself. There is pain on your leg. Put your hand there and declare life. Praise God. Yeah. You put the word of God to practice. You, 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 you must learn it. It's, it's very, very important. I do that all the time. I, 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 I'm walking and I hit myself somewhere. I just put my hand there and just declare something. I'm not starting to cry out. Maybe I'm standing. 